If the economy continues to spiral downward, we very well might be facing an economic collapse. In fact, some say it's not if, but when it happens. If that's the case, what are some ways that you can better prepare yourself? Hey, this is episode 788 of the Ready Your Future podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you prepare for a better future. It's all about loving your people, getting prepared, and living free. I'm Todd Sepulveda, a regular guy living in the suburbs who understands the need to be better prepared for the future. Hey, are you looking to up your preparedness knowledge? Don't spend time bouncing around the internet for the best preparedness content. Instead, sign up for the top preparedness articles and get them right in your email. For $5 a month, you can get the top preparedness articles from around the internet sent to your email weekly. You can choose to read them or drop them in the pocket app and have them read to you as you go about your day. The buy me a coffee link to the top preparedness articles is in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode. I'm glad that you're here. Hey, listen, if you, uh, I know I started on a cadence of putting out two other episodes throughout the week, and I had about three or four weeks where I was doing that, and then it just kind of (laughs) fell flat, right? Um, I've had a very long week, actually a long two weeks. Uh, My team, this last week, my team was responsible for supporting a big conference, and it was long days and tired nights, and I just didn't get to record. Uh, however, that's going to change this next week because, or this week here, because uh, I have pre-recorded episodes already, and so I'm ready to go on that. I'm going to try to stay ahead of it, so when I get to those weeks with that are just really long and and I'm not able to get to it, I already have it in in the queue and ready to go. So hopefully uh, that will continue on, and I'll just be able to keep up that cadence there. Um, you know, I I feel like it's something that I want to continue doing, and um, I like I said, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. All right, so uh, this podcast episode uh, article is coming to us from The Organic Prepper, and the title is The Three Layers of Financial Preparedness. And I think it's a very relevant article here when we, uh, when we look at preparedness and we look at what we really should be thinking about, what we really should be paying attention to. Uh, we know the banking system is not strong. We know the economy is not strong. We're all feeling it right now in our pocketbooks when we go to the store, when we buy things, when you know things are more expensive. And it's just, it's, it's a reality. If you're not feeling it or you're not, you can absorb it without feeling the pain of it, well, then, you know, you, you're blessed and that's good for you. But there's a lot of people out there that are really feeling it. And, uh, you know, they, they they realize that there is um, some trouble coming down, or at least hopefully they realize that things are changing. And um, those of us who are prepared, those of us who live a more self-reliant life, realize that this can go sideways really quickly. I mean, it's already going sideways, right, as it, as it, as it is, but it can get a lot worse. And we've seen it in other countries. We've seen economic collapses. We've seen those different kinds of things. We've seen economic chaos, and it's not it's not good. And I've I've studied it for a little bit myself, being in preparedness for the years that I've been in it. And it's not something you want to to do, right? It's not something you want to be in. So you want to be prepared for that when that happens. You know, we prepare for a lot of things. We prepare for, you know, all the natural disasters. We prepare for the, you know, the the, EM, the quote unquote EMPs and the, and the blackouts and all this kind of stuff. But this is like one of those things that if you're not really paying attention to it, it, it begins to bite you slowly. It's like the, you know, the death of a, of a hundred cuts where you, you're, you're feeling it, you know, your money is not buying as much anymore and you start to feel the pain uh, a little bit more. You know, you're able to live, you're able to survive, but you feel that squeeze. So what can you do now 
to help you prepare because if it gets really bad, if we get into that really bad situation, and again, a lot of people are saying not if, but when, then you want to be in the best financial preparedness possible. And so here are some things that you can do according to the organic prepper. And I tend to believe, uh, or at least I fall fall in line with what is said here. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into this article. Again, coming to us from theorganicprepper.com, the three layers of financial preparedness. As our banking system implodes all around us, you may be wondering how on earth we can be financially prepared for the future in a world where our national currency is at extreme risk. While it's easy to say invest in precious metals, It's also important to know that PMs, while important, aren't your first layer of financial preparedness. In this article, I want to talk about how to layer your financial preparedness to help yourself through the tough days ahead. Keep in mind that you may not be able to delve into every single layer, and that's absolutely fine. You have to prep for your unique financial situation just the same way you prep for your unique living situation. Being realistic is the key. So layer one is your financial foundation. The first layer is the foundation for the other layers. If you don't have this in place, then the others aren't really extremely worthwhile. To establish a base of financial preparedness, you need to get your personal finances in order. This includes things like paying off debt, maintaining freedom from debt. And so there are links here throughout all this article if you are wanting to dive into more of this and do a little bit more research, but there is a link here to pay off debt. Next up is having the supplies to go for a month or so without spending money. These are your basic stockpile items like groceries, shampoo, laundry, soap, pet food, etc. So that's basically, guys, the, uh, the preparedness that we do on a regular basis, right? That's just having that put into effect. And I can't tell you how many times I have uh, heard from other people or uh, read in articles or read in forums, people sending me messages that because they were prepared for something, you know, because they had the, uh, the food and hygiene and all that kind of stuff ready to go, when they lost their job, they were able to survive a lot easier because the money that they had uh, stocked up you know, in the bank or in savings, their, their emergency fund was able to go for, you know, to, to pay for utilities and for rent or, uh, you know, the mortgage and things like that. And so they didn't even have to worry about all that other stuff. So number three is establishing an emergency fund. We used to recommend a thousand dollars, but at this point it won't get you too far. I would suggest your bare minimum should be one month of your family's expenses. And here's how to build one. And so if you are a fan of Dave Ramsey and what he talks about, you know, he he says you need to have three to six months worth of expenses. And uh, that's something that you should really consider there uh, to have available for yourself. And again, I'll talk a little bit more about that as we as we get to, uh, you know, to the end of this article. But some of you might be saying, Todd, what the heck? I'm barely making it right now. And you're talking about saving three to six months. So uh, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Number four is getting your budget to a manageable level. You may need to cut your fixed expenses to do this. So that's that's a no-brainer. But you know what? We have been able to live like no like no other uh, civilization in history, right? We've just had so much money here. And because the dollar is the reserve currency, we've been just blessed financially here to, to be in America. Those of us who live in America, and I know that there's listeners from other countries here, 
But the fact is, is that uh, we we might get to that point where we need to start cutting expenses and seeing things, you know, where they're at. And these are nice things to have. And we like that maybe we have all three streaming services or, you know, we, we have all the streaming services that are out there. And maybe we need to cut back to maybe one, our favorite one, or maybe we need to cut back completely. Don't even watch TV. So I know that might be foreign to some people, but that might be the case. So if you're sensing a theme here, you're right. The first layer of financial preparedness goes back to the money-savvy wisdom of the frugal community. Get your expenses under control, reduce your output, and be prepared to go for at minimum a month without any additional money coming in. So layer two are tangible essentials. So once you have your basics established, it's time to move on to the next layer. This is where our passion for prepping comes in handy. You're going to want to invest some of your excess money in the supplies that will get you through a difficult period. Whether that difficult period is related to your personal finances or national supply chain instability, your preps will see you through it. This is a very important layer of financial preparedness, even though it's not cold, hard cash. Before you start investing every spare dime into hunks of gold and silver, make sure you have your basics covered. That's something Selko talks about anytime you're in an uncertain situation, go back to the basics. So this includes things like stocking up on food, learning skills like gardening and herbalism, home and automotive repairs, taking care of medical and dental issues, putting back non-food items, and focusing on sturdy manual tools. In this layer, you are building your personal preparedness. You're taking care of things that might be difficult to address in the future, whether due to money or other issues. You're learning skills, buying tools, and putting back essential supplies that will see you through a longer period of time. Layer three is financial assets. Now, finally, once you have the other things handled, it's time to focus on the bigger picture. A lot of folks make the mistakes of thinking they should be hoarding gold and silver like a dragon, but this doesn't come until after you've covered the basics. Once your preps are in order, your debts are paid off, and your home, vehicle, and family are maintained, then it's time to put some money back for later when the crisis is over. A lot of folks say that they use precious metals as a medium of exchange right now. I suppose that's possible if you're dealing with folks who will accept junk silver dimes as payment or gold ingots. However, I see metals as more of a medium of savings than of exchange. The purpose behind stocking up on precious metals is that gold and silver will hold their value when the dollar may not. After the economic disaster is over and our society is beginning to recover, precious metals will have value regardless of what has happened to the dollar. Even if we have moved on to an entirely different currency by then, whether or not the dollar is still the reserve currency of the world or whether we have turned into a cashless society, the value of a precious metal remains consistent. When you need to make a payment on your property taxes or some other expense, you can convert precious metals to whatever the currency is at whatever value the currency has at that time. So how can you invest in precious metals? So a lot depends on how you personally want to do it. If you are thinking that gold might be an important bribe, a suggestion from Selco is to buy a lot of plain gold wedding rings. You can slip one of those off your finger to offer a guard or other person you might be bribing, and nobody will expect that you have six more just like it. It's one of those things that seems like it's probably the only thing you have. I have followed this advice and often hit up pawn shops to check out their bands. 
I've also gotten some good pieces from yard sales mixed in with bags of costume jewelry. All right, I know that in one of our uh, exclusive email group meetups online that we do on Zoom every other Tuesday, I know this came up when we were talking about, uh, you know, having silver and gold. Uh, one of the things, you know, so everybody always brings up, you know, the government can always, you know, confiscate and all that kind of stuff. They wouldn't confiscate jewelry that you have. And so somebody brought up that, you know, in their family, they, they buy jewelry instead of going and buying gold coins or, you know, silver coins or gold, uh, whatever it is, you know, uh, gold bars, they are buying jewelry that they could wear and they might not wear it, but they have it. And I think this is a great illustration here. What she talked about what Selco recommends, uh, to, to be able to do, you know, and uh, not only that, if you're taking off what seems to be quote unquote, your wedding ring and you're giving that, that not only do you have the, the fact that it is, you know, uh, a piece of gold, but it also has that emotional value as well. All right. Uh, at least in the sight of the other person that's taking the, the gold. All right. So moving on here, you can also invest in other types of gold or silver jewelry. If you are going out to purchase jewelry, you want to be sure you're getting a good deal. This information comes from when I was married and my husband and I owned a jewelry store. It's a great idea to have one piece that you know the weight of so that you can test the digital scale at the shop. I've seen these scales be off by several grams, so having your own piece to confirm it is important. Secondly, you need to know the price of gold and silver that day to be sure you're getting a fair price. If it has stones or other inclusions, you're paying for that too, and they are generally not as easy to convert as metals. I tend to go with plain gold or silver pieces when making investments so that I know exactly what I'm getting. Look for a hallmark or stamp on the jewelry to indicate the carat purity of the gold or that the silver is 925. You don't want anything that says GP, gold plated, GF, gold filled, or GEP, gold electroplated. Gold and silver are generally not magnetic, although there are some rare occasions when the secondary metal is iron. If a piece responds to a strong magnet, it's likely not what you're looking for. Here are some more tips to make sure you're getting what you're looking for when shopping for gold. So there is a, a link here. Like I said, Daisy does a good job of providing a lot of links if you want to dive deeper into uh, the topics. So while jewelry is one way to purchase precious metals, buying bullion or, or coins may be the best method. This is how governments and central banks create their reserves. Bullion is gold and silver that is at least 99.5 and 99.9% .9 pure and is in the form of bars or ingots. This medium is ideal because of its purity, set weight, and recognizability. I purchase all my solid gold and silver this way from ITM Trading. They actually offer a complete free strategy session if this is something you're considering. I strongly suggest you set up a call. You're under no obligation to buy, but the information you receive may make it some of the most valuable financial education you ever get, particularly given that our banking industry is in such dire straits. Just to be clear, gold and silver pieces are stores of personal savings. They aren't emergency funds, nor are they generally easy to spend. This is for money that you do not need immediate access to, although you can liquidate them reasonably easily today. This investment is made so that when things finally settle down after the current economic crisis, you still have wealth and it hasn't all dissolved or dwindled in value like money in the bank can do. So how are you preparing financially? 
I hope you find this little primer useful. I'm not a financial advisor and none of this should be construed as legal tax, investment, financial, or other advice. This is just my personal strategy that I'm sharing in the hopes that it provides you with a direction for your own research. Are you preparing financially for the looming economic crisis? Do you have other strategies not mentioned in this article that you are comfortable with sharing? How bad do you expect the situation to get? Let's talk about financial preparedness in the comments section. And there are 24 comments here. You can always come and leave your comment as well um, because like always, I'm going to link to this. So guys, this is again, one of those things that I, I truly believe in. And I, I think that, well, I don't think, I, I know, I see it, it's happening, right? Things are more expensive. Things are happening. I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, my wife and I stayed, tried to stay out of debt as much as possible. We, we learned at an early age that we didn't want to be tied to a bunch of credit card debt. And we didn't, we didn't sell our soul to the credit card companies, you know? And so sometimes it wasn't as easy to get by. Sometimes it wasn't, you know, we saw some of our friends going on trips and buying things and, and things like that. And we weren't doing that. You know, maybe we had more secondhand furniture, more secondhand, this or that than, than other people, but they got us to a better place. And so I am uh, very grateful that we didn't uh, succumb to all that. And then find yourself when things get really, really bad, you don't have any options. And I keep mentioning that, that that's stuck in my head, that preparedness gives you options. So when you are prepared, you have a lot of other options. So the thing about silver and gold, uh, it's one of those things to consider. Um, if you are a member of the top preparedness articles, and I reference that every single, uh, every single episode, there wasn't, there was a uh, video that I sent out in the TPA this last week by uh, Fernando Aguirre. And he talked about the best seven investments to prepare for an economic collapse. I'm going to link to this one as well. So you can go check it out. But one of the things that I thought was very, very eye opening is he has, of course, so if you don't know Fernando Aguirre, you don't know his, his story. He left Argentina Argentina uh, after the first collapse. So he realized, you know, after the first collapse, he, he you know, he did well. He, you know, he, he was a go-getter. He did what he needed to do. But then he got out of the country. And since then, it has come and gone and had collapses and things are, are crazy. But in this video, it's very, very sobering to see this big wad of money that he has, this Argentine uh, you know, dollar bills that he has. And it's a nice little wad of cash. And he said, you know, one of the things that I, yeah, I would buy silver, and he's got silver coins in the video. He goes, I would use this money to buy silver coins. And now this money, this big wad of cash that he has is worth nothing. I, I keep it. I keep it for the memories. I keep it for, you know, just for the illustration piece of it. But the silver that I bought with it, that that still has value. And I thought, I mean, that's just very sobering to think about that the money that you might have in your pocket right now might be worth zero at some point, but the dollars that you can use to buy silver or gold that that will keep us value. Now you got to think, you know, all the things that Daisy said in here, it's not easy to, to get, to sell those things. I mean, there are places that you can go and you can trade them in and, and you can do those kinds of things. But if you were in a real economic collapse, you might need to, you know, find a, a, a way to, to, to get around that. Right. I mean, people probably wouldn't 
right away start trading in silver and gold and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think she mentioned in this article, it's more about after things start to settle down, it's things start to pick back up. But you really need to weigh the pros and the cons uh, about that. But the, the first thing here, though, is the, the most important things are the things that she talked about at the very beginning. And I think, you know, uh, you've had like Michael Snyder has talked about this before in the past where people don't even have $500 in their savings account to deal with, uh, you know, any kind of situation, emergency, you know, that costs $500. And nowadays your vehicle, if your vehicle was to break down, you can't, $500 doesn't even cover that. That's, that's one reason why a lot of people are saying you need to have more money in your emergency fund and more money in your savings account to, uh, to be able to cover things that, that are happening. And let me tell you something. If, if it's something that you have never thought of doing, you know, creating an emergency fund, and, and maybe you can, and it's just something you've never, you know, just like, hey, I just, I don't know. I just don't see the need for it. If you've ever been in a financial crunch, if you've ever been in a situation where you you worried about where the the money was going to come for, uh, you know the bills or whatever you had, then if you have an emergency fund and then you have one of those emergencies come up and you're able to pay for it, it's such a good feeling not to stress. Now you might feel the pain of man, I had this money in the savings account and now I got to spend it but you're not stressing and worried and going days or weeks trying to figure out where the money is going to come to pay for that emergency and then also pay for your mortgage or pay for your gas or your groceries or or whatever else needs to be paid for. So it's a really great feeling for that. So hopefully you, you buy into that and you realize it's something that you need to do. So what can you do to put yourself in the best financial place possible? That's one of the most important questions I think that anybody can ask themselves right now. As much as you can, you need to get out of debt. You need to get out of debt. You need to not start attaching yourself to any new debt, right? Right now, don't do, uh, don't like go take out a loan and, and stuff like that uh, unless you know for sure you, you got that paid off. I don't think we need to be getting into any more debt. Debt. We definitely need to decrease our expenditures. What can you do without? I didn't preface this by saying you should have a budget. And I know a lot of people uh, don't have budgets. And we always talk about that that is something to do. If you don't have a budget, you're not telling your money where it needs to go. And if you don't tell your money where it's going to, where it needs to go, it's going to find a place to leave you. So First of all, you need that budget, but then that budget allows you to look at your expenditures and you need to decrease those expenditures, whatever you can to, to, to do, to bring the money that's going out, bring that money down and then increase your income. And I think that is one of those important things that we need to do. So to you're like at the very beginning, I mentioned, Todd, I'm, I'm struggling right now. Or those are the two things that you can do to have more, more income. You can decrease your expenditures or you can increase your income. And preferably you're doing both at the same time. What things can I cut? Do I need to cut cable? Do I need to cut, you know, this, this extra thing that I do, you know, and then how can I increase my income? Guys, there's a lot of ways that people can make money out there. There's a lot of side hustles that people can do and a lot of things that are out there. And, you know, if you are really, really tight, what would an extra 50 or $100 a month do for your financial situation? How much would that increase it? I mean, yeah, that's something that you can start adding to your, uh, you can start adding to your emergency fund. What if it was 50 or $100 a week that you were adding to your financial situation? 
you know, how would that change? How quickly could you get out of debt or how quickly could you establish your emergency fund? And so that's one of those things you need to start asking yourself, how can I put myself in the best financial place possible? And that's really a goal that I think everybody that is wanting to live a more self-reliant life needs to be asking themselves right now. Even if things are good right now, even if you're able to, to, to weather the storm, you're able to absorb the higher prices, there's still a question that you need to ask yourself. How can I put myself in a better financial place? Well, guys, that's it for this episode. And like always, I'm going to link to this article so that you can go check it out and click on the links that Daisy has there for you, especially if finances is one of those things that you need to really grow in your understanding and knowledge of. Um, she had a lot of links in there. And I'm also going to link to that uh, video from Fern uh, Fernando Aguirre, the best seven investments to prepare for an economic collapse. I think that's just a good one. But just the fact of the, you know, looking at the, the Argentine, the old Argentine money, I think does just, you know, just watch it just for that. And uh, it just kind of blows you away. Well, again, that's it for this episode, guys. If you found this episode valuable, I would appreciate a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you my blackout checklist to know what you should do before, during, and after the lights go out. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.